Dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for making us to be among the living today and giving us this opportunity for us to have an acquaintance with you that we may have peace. Dear Lord in heaven, as your word is opened, we ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Father, that you will help us through your Spirit to understand the deep things of God contained in your word. I also pray for myself and I ask for your guidance that you put your words in my mouth. These are important times here when the word of God is opened. Help me, Lord, not to speak my own words. Help me, Father, to direct your children and that the word of truth shall come to us today that we may know you and in knowing you that we may be saved. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, January 26. The Wilderness Temptation Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 Why was it that at the beginning of his public ministry, Christ was led into the wilderness to be tempted? He went not in his own behalf, but in our behalf to overcome for us. He was to be tried and tested as a representative of the race. He was to meet the foe in personal encounter to overthrow him who claimed to be the head of the kingdoms of the world. Satan met him and tempted him on the very points where man will be tempted. Our substitute and surety passed over the ground where Adam stumbled and fell. And the question was, would he stumble and fall as Adam did over God's commandments? He met Satan's attacks again and again with, it is written. And Satan left the field of conflict a conquered foe. Christ has redeemed Adam's disgraceful fall and has perfected a character of perfect obedience and left an example for the human family. Had he failed on one point in reference to the law of God, he would not have been a perfect offering, for it was on one point only that Adam failed. Our Saviour withstood on every point the test of temptation, and in this way he has made it possible for man to overcome. Now, there is enough in this idea, in this thought, to fill our hearts with gratitude every day of our lives. As Jesus was accepted as our substitute and surety, every one of us will be accepted if we stand the test and trial for ourselves. He took our nature that he might become acquainted with the trials wherewith man should be beset, and he is our mediator and intercessor before the Father. Those who would overcome must put to the tax every power of their being. They must agonize on their knees before God for divine power. Men may have a power to resist evil, a power that neither earth nor death nor hell can master, a power that will place them where they may overcome as Christ overcame. Divinity and humanity may be combined in them. Amen.
The title of our devotion for today is The Wilderness Temptation. We have seen how it is that our Lord Jesus was baptized and like we read in the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. To be the Son of God does not mean an absence of temptation, but a greater sensitivity to sin and an actual increase in temptation. For one who has taken the step to be born of water and spirit, adopted into the family of God, to become a partaker of the divine nature, has been set free from the chains of Satan and consequently has incurred the wrath of the devil and are working his ire against himself. For this reason, Jesus was tempted severely after his baptism, and so it is for all who would, who would take the same step that Jesus took. But in the case of Jesus, his temptation was exceedingly amplified by the weight of the sins of the world and the weakness sin had brought upon the human race for 4,000 years. We read in the book Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 271, paragraph 1, it says, As soon as Christ entered the wilderness of temptation, his visage changed. The glory and splendor reflected from the throne of God, which illuminated his countenance when the heavens opened before him, and the Father's voice acknowledged him as his Son in whom he was well pleased was now gone. The weight of the sins of the world was pressing his soul, and his countenance expressed unutterable sorrow, a depth of anguish that fallen man had never realized. He felt the overwhelming tide of woe that deluged the world. He realized the strength of indulged appetite and of unholy passion that controlled the world, which had brought upon man inexpressible suffering. The indulgence of appetite had been increasing and strengthening with every successive generation since Adam's transgression until the race was so feeble in moral power that they could not overcome in their own strength. Christ, in behalf of the race, was to overcome appetite. By standing the most powerful test upon this point, he was to tread the path of temptation alone, and there must be none to help him, none to comfort or uphold him. He was to wrestle with the powers of darkness." End of quote. Did you take note of what we read? You know, sometimes we think that it was just at Gethsemane that the weight of the sins of the world was placed on Jesus. But we read here now that just as he entered the wilderness, the weight of the sins of the world was already pressing his soul. Jesus took this for the next three and a half years, the weight of the sins of the world upon him. Let's chew on that to understand the man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. How was he acquainted? How was he a man of sorrows? Three and a half years, the weight of the sins of the world was pressing his soul. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now to the temptation of Jesus. You see, this temptation was not just a random one where he by happenstance got tempted. The Bible says he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. While this does not mean that Jesus went looking for the devil to tempt him, it does show that this was the permissive will of God for Jesus to be tempted immediately after his 40 days fast. We read from Desire of Ages, page 114, paragraph 2. 
When Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, he was led by the Spirit of God. He did not invite temptation. He went to the wilderness to be alone, to contemplate his mission and work. By fasting and prayer, he was to brace himself for the blood-stained path he must travel. But Satan knew that the Savior had gone into the wilderness, and he thought this the best time to approach him." End of quote. So that's just to clear the point. It was not that Jesus went looking for the devil. But the devil took advantage of it and the Lord permitted that Jesus be tempted. It was necessary, in fact. But why was it necessary for Christ to be tempted? Now, back to the book we read earlier, Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 272, paragraph 5, we are told, The humanity of Christ reached to the very depths of human wretchedness and identified itself with the weaknesses and necessities of fallen man. While his divine nature grasped the eternal, and it says, his work in bearing the guilt of man's transgression was not to give him license to continue to violate the law of God, which made man a debtor to the law which debt Christ was himself paying by his own suffering. So, from Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 272, paragraph 5, we are told why it was necessary for Christ to be tempted. It says, The trials and sufferings of Christ were to impress man with a sense of his great sin in breaking the law of God and to bring him to repentance and obedience to that law and true obedience to acceptance with God. His righteousness will impute to man and thus raise him in moral value with God so that his efforts to keep the divine law would be acceptable. Christ's work was to reconcile man to God through his human nature and God to man through his divine nature. So from here we see why Jesus needed to be tempted. It is because, one of the reasons at least, is because it was to impress us with a sense of our sins in breaking the law of God and to bring us to repentance and obedience to the law. So that as he passes through temptations that, that, were, that were great, we would realize what it is that we, we put God through through our sins and we would see that it is possible to overcome that's one other reason it was on the point of appetite that adam fell and it was on this point that jesus was first to be tempted review and herald october 13 1874 paragraph 5 tells us um, the reason again for christ's temptation it says this long fast the great trial of Christ in the wilderness on the point of appetite was to leave man an example of self-denial. So that's another reason. Jesus was trying to give us an example of self-denial. Going on it says, This long fast was to convict men of the sinfulness of the things in which professed Christians indulge. The victory which Christ gained in the wilderness was to show man the sinfulness of the very things in which he takes such pleasure. The salvation of man was in the balance and to be decided by the trial of Christ in the wilderness. If Christ was a victor on the point of appetite, then there was a chance for man to overcome. End of quote. You see, we too often give up without a fight when it comes to the temptation of appetite. But we read here that Christ, this he took a long fast, of course, of 40 days to convict us of the sinfulness of the things in which we uh, as Christians indulge. And in gaining the victory, he, is showing, he showed us the sinfulness of the very things that we take pleasure in. For Jesus to say 40 days 
how many hours we need to ask ourselves how many hours do you stay and you just give in to the desire to 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 to, to satisfy the flesh because this is when we talk of the sin of appetite directly it refers to food which many people do not even consider to be a problem people will eat glutinously eat things that they're not supposed to eat and to many in their minds there's no sin in it but look at jesus fasting 40 days some people do not even see it as a struggle when it comes to food they can overeat and then knock themselves off with the food they have eaten because by the time you overeat the next thing is that you get so heavy your eyes cannot even stay open and your body just has to hibernate and you have to sleep off because of overeating and there are some who eat the wrong things that kill them they cannot resist the appetite the call of that food whether it is alcohol or any other thing that is not good for the flesh and we take it in we often give up without a fight when it comes to the temptation of appetite and do not think that jesus stayed 40 days sustained by any power that we do not have access to the power that kept jesus in that 40 days fast is available to every one of us desire of ages page 123 paragraph 1 says let him who is struggling against the power of appetite look to the savior in the wilderness of temptation see him in his agony upon the cross as he exclaimed i thirst he has endured all that it is possible for us to bear his victory is ours end of quote amen do you struggle with appetite some of us like i said we don't even bat an eye just as soon as you are craving for a particular food you are off to get it look to jesus he stayed 40 days the next time you want to go against your the, the what the holy spirit is telling you when it comes to this matter of appetite and i want to extend it it's not just appetite anything at all that the flesh craves for it may not be something you put in your mouth it can also be sexual sin it can also be abusing drugs it can be alcoholism or any fleshly desire at all when you struggle for these things look to jesus who denied himself i tell yourself i have not even started anything or i have not even resisted unto blood striving against sin jesus stayed 40 whole days how many hours have i stayed and i cannot resist how long have i stayed and i'm already requiring myself to take food to eat it's very important that as we look to jesus we should get power from him those who are struggling against the power of appetite look to your savior you have only stayed a few hours he stayed 40 whole days that was the first temptation of jesus and he overcame and after that temptation the bible tells us in the book of matthew chapter 5 chapter 4 verse 5 to 7 then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him if thou be the son of god cast thyself down for it is written he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou, thou dash thy foot against a stone jesus told him it is written again thou shalt not tempt the lord thy god now before now i didn't read it but i took it for granted that we know that jesus first temptation the devil came and met him if saying if thou be the son of god turn this stone to bread 
And Jesus responded with the word of God, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. In this second temptation, the devil starts with the same language. So, both the first and second temptations have something in common. While the first was the temptation to appetite, there was still more to it. Like the second temptation, it was also a temptation to doubt the plain word of God and the temptation to require some outward evidence to prove the word of God. Do you know that it is wrong to do that? You see, sin is very subtle. Do you know that doubt is a sin? It is. And this was what the devil was tempting Jesus to do. The father had 40 days before now said to Jesus, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and also to those who were standing around there. And the devil was asking for a proof of what the Lord had said. The father had already said, This is my son. And the devil is saying, If you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. If you are the son of God, cast yourself down. The only proof needed was the word of God. But Satan was requiring for Jesus to show an evidence other than the word of God that he was the son of God. In the book of Romans 10 verse 17 we are told, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus was to have faith in the word of God that he heard. Jesus was worn at this time, haggard and emaciated, and the devil was pointing to his circumstance as evidence for him to doubt his sonship. This temptation often comes to us. By something that we lack, the devil would come to us and make us doubt that we are children of God. We may be in poverty or hunger. We may have started to practice health reform, dress reform, eating the right way and maybe you are emaciated. Or you may be haggard too. You may incur some losses just like some unfortunate thing happens to you, you like it happened to Job. And this happens while you are serving God or even af- just after you are baptized. Just like in the case of Jesus. Just after Jesus baptized, what happened? The things start going well. He went to fast. And he was looking haggard and emaciated from that fast. And the devil was pointing to his condition. This is very important. Some of us think that it is by our condition that we determine whether we are sons of God. Jesus was hungry. But it didn't make him any less the son of God. And you, as far as you are keeping the commandments of God and doing his will and the spirit of God is in you, it is not because of money that you will say, oh yes, this is what makes me know now that God is with me. No, the devil is the one pointing you to that. You may not have gotten married or you may marry and you don't have children or you may not have a job. You may be living in poverty. You may be practicing the truth and yet things are going downhill for you. And the devil will come and tell you, if you are the son of God, you should get a job. If you are the son of God, you should have a husband or a wife. If you are the son of God, then you should not be in this condition. Bring yourself out of this condition. That's basically what he was telling Jesus. Bring yourself out of the condition of hunger. Satisfy your hunger so that we will know that you are truly the son of God. Because satisfaction of your hunger is the evidence that God is with you. Far be it from the Lord. How can God leave you like this, the son of God? How can the Lord leave you? Are you sure you are really the son of God? And many fall for the devil's temptation. If they will not fall in going away from the father to ask him questions and say, Lord, why am I like this? They will fall even further than that and say, I need to do something to bring myself out of this condition. It cannot be that I am the child of God and I am like this. 
you are falling for the devil's temptation. The evidence that you are the Son of God is not the presence of material things and all these things we've mentioned. The Son of God himself, the original Son of God, we are adopted sons. The original Son of God passed through even worse things than yourself. He lived in poverty. He walked on foot when many had horses and chariots and donkeys and camels. He walked on foot from place to place. The Son of Man, he said, had nowhere to lay his head. He was a carpenter. And many of us think that we cannot pass through this kind of lifestyle if we are sons of God. We need to humble ourselves. Don't let the devil get you by the absence of material things. Jesus, the Father, has never told you that it is the presence of material things that makes it a confirmation that you are the Son of God. The prosperity gospel of today is a curse. A big curse on Christianity that makes people think that it's by prosperity that they are sons of God. What a curse. What else would the devil do to you than to do that, to give you prosperity and make you say, oh, now you are the son of God by your prosperity. The sons of God are those that live righteous, holy lives. With the absence of material things, that is not what confirms them. You may have money, you may not have. You may be in health or you may not buy. But the thing is, it is your keeping of the commandments of God. You may have a job or not. You may have a wife or not. You may have children or not. That is not what matters. And we should not allow the devil to tempt us to doubt that the Lord is with us because of the absence of material things. But you may well doubt that you are the Son of God if you are not keeping His commandments. You may well doubt that because that is the truth in Jesus. Satan will never come to Jesus and say, if you are the Son of God, why is it that you are not keeping His commandments? Show me by keeping the commandments. Because he knows that that is the evidence that the Lord is in you, that the Spirit of God is in you, that you are born again, that you are converted. That is the true evidence. So the second temptation is just like this one. It's a temptation to doubt, but in a different way. It, it was a temptation to do the spectacular as proof that we are sons of God. As we behold Jesus, we realize that we are not to fall for this temptation to presumption, to take liberties and go against the will of God, place ourselves where angels dread to tread to show that God is with us and not with others. Many have died in this manner, both spiritually and physically. They have presumed that God will do the extraordinary for them when they don't do what they are supposed to do themselves. They think that being sons of God means that we have power at our beck and calling than to show that we are not subject to the same laws that other men are subject to, that God will do the extraordinary for us just because we are his sons. No. Some have entered into a lion's den to prove that they are sons of God and the lion will eat them up. And some will do evangelism and think that, oh, because I'm the son of God, let me go and cast out demons. And they find out that they have gone to the wrong direction. I heard a story of some women who, when they saw they were going for an evangelism, they saw a place that was flooded and they said, oh, let us try and walk on water. The Lord will deliver us while we are on his walk. They drowned. They drowned. And then there are liars who say they fast 40 days. Others try it and it doesn't work out for them. Then there are some who are liars. They say they fasted 40 days and nobody saw them. They would just come and tell us they fasted 40 days and they lie to people, making it to look like, oh, this is what makes me the son of God. We are, we are told in Councils on Diet and Food, page 189, paragraph 1, all the fasting in the world will not take the place of simple trust in the word of God. Ask, he says, and you shall receive. You are not called upon to fast 40 days. The Lord bore that fast for you in the wilderness of temptation. There would be no virtue in such a fast. But there is virtue in the blood of Christ. End of quote. 
So we shouldn't think that miracles, because that was what the devil was tempting Jesus to do to perform miracles. Jump and let angels catch you to prove that you are the son of God. Tempting us to do things to prove that we are not just to come out of a bad situation like the first temptation, but this one all is well. But he's tempting you to just perform a miracle. Show us a sign that you are the son of God. Don't fall for that. In the third temptation of Jesus, we read in Matthew 4 verse 8 to 10. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. So Satan was giving Jesus the easy way out in this temptation. It was a temptation to compromise, to get what he was looking for. But would he have profited Jesus to have gained the whole world and lose his soul on account of him worshipping the devil? Because for Jesus to have bowed to the devil, like he quoted the passage, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. The devil, Satan, knew very well that Jesus came to save the world. But he came to save the world out of sin then how can he by sin change, save the world from sin? Because the devil was saying sin, that's basically what he was saying, though he was not saying it directly. He told him, all these things have been delivered unto me. Bow down to me and then I will give it over to you. Knowing very well that Jesus came because he wants to take back the world. But Satan was showing him the material world, but Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus came to save human souls. That is the world he came for. And so there was no need compromising. He came to save people from their sins. How can he then bow to the devil to sin so that he can save people from sin? Because in sinning, he would have sold his soul. And if he had gained the world by bowing, it was no profit to him. So he understood this very clearly. And to us, the devil also comes with this temptation. After he has pointed your eyes to what you lack, telling you look at you you are emaciated you are living in poverty no husband is coming no man is coming to marry you women are running away from you and then he tells you look at how it is that you have no job you are poor and you say let me go into the same competition with the devil let me try and prove to him that i am the son of god and then you try to get a husband it doesn't work try to get a wife try to get rich try to have a child and all the material things that the devil has pointed you to, you try, but it's not working. And then he tells you, you see, well, you can bow to me and I will give them to you. The problem was in you even agreeing, first of all, that you needed to get the things of the world in order to prove that you are the son of God. That was where the problem started. Jesus did not have that problem. He didn't think that he needed to have these material things. So the devil tempting him with those things was just a waste of time. And for us, we need to understand that we do not need the worldly things that the devil offers to us. We should not even be in the chase for it. As Christians, we should not be running after these things. Because it's when you run after them that the devil marks you and knows that, Oh, so I see that a husband is important to you. Okay, I will deprive you of it. So that I will make it a point of compromise. That's what he's saying. Compromise and I will give it to you. But why is he tempting you to compromise? Because he has seen that it is important to you. If it was not important to you, he will not have that ability to tempt you. Because every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts. What was the lust of Jesus? His desire was to save men from their sins. But the devil was offering him the whole world and his glories. Saying, I will give it to you. But Jesus didn't have any desire for that. So he could not even be tempted 
to bow to the devil on that matter. But for us, it is the case that the devil tempts us on these matters. And we need to be strong. But the problem is with our desires. When we have a desire for the things of this earth more than we love God, it becomes a temptation because that is how temptation comes. When we are drawn away of our own lust, we'll see more on that in uh, for subsequent devotions. If we do not have a desire towards these things that like many things I've listed and much more, then the devil will have no power over us and we will not feel a temptation to compromise so that we can get these things. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 130, paragraph 2 and downwards, just to explain how the devil brings these things as temptations to us and how we can overcome. I'll read now, it says, By the one who, has revo- who had revolted in heaven, the kingdoms of this world were offered Christ to buy his homage to the principles of evil. And that's what he wants to do with us. He's trying to buy us, bribe us, so that we can come on his side. It says, But he will not be bought. He had come to establish a kingdom of righteousness and he will not abandon his purpose. With the same temptation, Satan approaches men and here he has better success than with Christ. To men, he offers the kingdom of this world on condition that they will acknowledge his supremacy. He requires that they sacrifice integrity, disregard conscience, indulge selfishness. Christ bids them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Satan walks by their side and says, Whatever may be true in regard to life eternal, in order to make a success in this world, you must serve me. I hold your welfare in my hands. I can give you riches, pleasures, honor, and happiness. Hearken to my counsel. Do not allow yourselves to be carried away with whimsical notions of honesty or self-sacrifice. I will prepare the way before you. Thus, multitudes are deceived. They consent to live for the service of self, and Satan is satisfied. While he allures them with the hope of worldly dominion, he gains dominion over the soul, but he offers that which is not his to bestow, and which is soon to be wrested from him. In return, he beguiles them of their title to the inheritance of the sons of God. Satan had questioned whether Jesus was the Son of God. In his summary dismissal, he had proof that he could not gainsay. Divinity flashed through suffering humanity. Satan had no power to resist the command. Everything with humiliation and rage, he was forced to withdraw from the presence of the world's Redeemer. Christ's victory was as complete as had been the failure of Adam. So, we may resist temptation and force Satan to depart from us. Jesus gained the victory through submission and faith in God, and by the apostle he says to us, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. James chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 We cannot save ourselves from the tempter's power. He has conquered humanity, and when we try to stand in our own strength, we shall become a prey to his devices. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Proverbs 18 verse 10. Satan trembles and flees before the wicked soul who finds refuge in that mighty name. Amen. So here we see that for us, we need to look unto Jesus. Whatever temptation you are passing through, see that Jesus himself has passed through the same. And we'll see more on that in our subsequent devotions. But for now, 
we see the nature of the temptations Jesus had. The temptation to doubt, the temptation to appetite, the temptation to presumption and to compromise. All this we pass through on a daily basis. And as we behold Christ, let us be encouraged that we should not sell our soul to the devil so that we can secure something in this world, so that we can be successful in this world. Because that was the temptation that the devil brought to Jesus. And we also should not be tempted to show marvelous things, miracles and signs to prove that we are sons of God. We have nothing to prove except that we are living in Christ because that is the evidence that Jesus is in us. That the word of God says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin because he is born of God and the seed of God remaineth in him and he cannot sin. The devil will never tell you to prove that you are the son of God by that means. He will rather use other things to divert you from the real evidence of being sons of God. Let us not fall prey to the devil's temptations. Let us overcome as Christ overcame. We will talk more on how to overcome in our next devotion. Let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for these lessons that you have brought to us. As we behold our Lord Jesus Christ, we see ourselves passing through similar temptations like he did when it comes to any fleshly desire or appetite, when it comes to the temptation to doubt based on the lack that we see ourselves in, or the temptation to show mighty power. All these things we face today. We pray, Father, that you strengthen us and help us not to fall prey to the devil's temptations, but as we behold Christ, that we may be transformed into his image and realize that we need not prove nothing to the devil and not fall into the temptation to doubt and not also compromise in the least regard to secure anything, even to secure the souls of men that we will not compromise. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the angel with a strong voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawas.org or contact info at tawas.org.